Welcome to church. How you feeling today? Come on, you glad to be in God's house? On a beautiful, warm, balmy morning in Columbus, Ohio? Okay, it's not that warm, but it is sunny. There's something to be thankful for, right? Hey, welcome to church. And if you're new, my name's Tim. The honor of leading this amazing community. Can I, can I just tell you, worship was just incredible. Can we just pause for a moment? I just, man, just feel like God's presence is in this place today. Ooh. Well, hey, if you're newer with us, we just started a brand new conversation last week, a new series, talking about something that we all care about, money. The reality is we all care about it. Money does matter. It matters to us, and it affects our lives. And the reason why we're talking about it is because Jesus talked about it. And so this is a matter that I think is near and dear to all of us, though I know in the church we don't like to admit it, but... Money is on our mind. We're thinking about it all the time. And what I really want for us as we go through this series together is I, I want for all of us to win with money. Now, I don't, I don't just mean in the Monopoly sense. I know we got this kind of play and I got these Monopoly pieces kind of whatever out here. And, but, but what I'm saying is that I, I want us to win with money. And, and I know in the game of Monopoly, it's all about the one who ends up with the most money wins. And I think somehow life and culture, we seem to think that the one with the most money wins. But I truly believe that there is a recipe for how to win with our money that is found in scripture. And if we will align our finances to God's plan for how to operate our finances, it is such a freeing thing. It is an amazing thing. And it can be a tool that can be hugely important and it can help you make a difference in this world. It can help you experience the life that maybe you only dreamt of having. And so as we're talking about this, I want you to hear this, okay? Because sometimes people hear, oh, church is talking about money. It must want something from you. Let me just say this. We don't want something from you. That's not what this is about, okay? We don't have a new initiative. We don't have some kind of campaign. We're not like gonna, you know, not be able to pay the mortgage this month. That's not what this is about. In fact, what I really want is I want something for every one of us. I want for you to experience the joy and the freedom of not being bound because you how we manage our finances, that we're miserable and we're buried under debt and we just get it all wrong and we're stressed. That's my desires. I want you to be free. I want you to be free of it. I want you to be able to enjoy life. I want you to be able to trust God and so much so that we've got a few practical things that we're tacking onto the series to help you. Uh, let me tell you about one of them. Coming up March 9th, we have a financial freedom workshop that we're hosting here at the church. And I just wanna strongly encourage you, if you, you're like, is it for me, how do I know? If you're someone who is like, I, I really could use some help getting my finances organized. If you're someone who's maybe struggling with debt, if you're someone that maybe is like, I don't have a vision for our finances, if you're just kind of floundering, if at the end of the month there's more bills than there is money in the account, it is absolutely for you. And so I wanna strongly encourage you, you can get out your phone and scan the QR code, you can go to next steps, but you've gotta make time for this. It's that important for your family and your future. And we're investing more than ever into this workshop and beyond that, and so you're just gonna, maybe that's you, make sure you come to that, it'll be helpful in your life. And then also, as we wrap up this series in a few weeks, 
I've invited a certified financial planner, a financial coach, to join me to get real practical to help everyone when it comes to our finances. So here's what you can do if you wanna participate. If you have any questions, financial questions, this would be the time to ask. You can get out your phone, you can text Money Moves to 94,000. That's Money Moves to 94,000 and submit questions. I'm gonna bring those questions, plus my own, as I sit down with a financial planner. And we've already had people writing in, I'm this age in life, we haven't done this for retirement, what should we do? Or can I say, if you're young and you're like, hey, I just got a new job right out of school, I'm making more money than I ever have, what should I do to prepare for the future? These are the kind of moments where you wanna lean in. So submit your questions, and we're gonna have a conversation. It's gonna be really helpful, very practical, okay? Now, today, as we kinda continue this conversation, I wanna pick up where we left off last week. If you are here last week, we, we talked about money from Jesus' perspective. And Jesus had a lot to say about money. And he didn't say that money's evil, because it's not. Money can be a tool. It could also be a thorn in your side. But Jesus said something really significant, which is why these are linked. He said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And they are connected. As much as we try to compartmentalize them and we go, well, it's my spiritual life, and here's my finances, and God, you stay over here, and I'll do, no. Jesus said, that's not how it works. They're connected. And so wherever your finances go, it's an indication of where your heart really is. And what we discovered last week, if you remember, we moved the pieces around, is that money is not the problem. The problem is when we get money in the wrong place. And what we want is this order. <clears throat> what I want is my heart to be pursuing after Jesus first and then trusting him to provide. And we ended with Matthew 6, 33, real important verse. Today we're gonna to pick up with that verse and we're gonna move on. Matthew 6, verse 33, look at it with me. It says this, Jesus said, but seek what? Can you all say that loud, but seek? Okay, we gotta do a little better than that. I need, I need you to be awake, okay? Because this message is so important. Like this is the most foundational message of what I'm gonna share through this entire series. Help me out. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness Seek first his kingdom. Here's the order. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. In other words, when we put God first, he says, I will take care of your needs. I will meet you with provision. Now, that doesn't mean that God's gonna necessarily make you rich, however you define rich. It does mean that God will meet your needs and provide for you, but I do believe that there's a blessing when you get it in the right order. And so here's what I wanted to do today as we continue this, I wanna pick up from there, and I wanna talk about what I believe is the single most fundamental, important, principle, truth, reality when it comes to our finances and God. In fact, this is, if you forget everything else that we say in this entire series, I hope you remember this today. And if you're younger, can I just really strongly encourage you to lean in if you're a teenager, college student, because I'm so grateful that I had someone teach me and show me this when I was a teenager, and I believe it's become the foundation that has enabled me and my wife, our family, to live free, to experience God's favor, his blessing, and, and to enjoy God's provision. I really do, it all goes back to this one thought. And it really all surrounds 
this one important principle. Today I wanna talk to you about the principle of the first. The principle of the first. In fact, I want you all to say it out loud with me because I want you to get this. We're gonna talk today about the principle of the The principle of the first. Here's what I know to be true for all of us. Even if you've buried it, deep down inside of all of us, there's a part of us that wants to be first. That's true. We all want to be first. I mean, sometimes I meet some people that are really nice and they're not very competitive and they're like, kind of like, yeah, that's, I'm not me. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind being second or third. I just let somebody else. Really? Are you married? You don't mind being second? Oh, is it all right if your spouse goes and has another you know, friend, that, but you know, you're second or third? That's not bad, right? No, no, no. Okay, we all wanna be first, let's be honest, right? In the words of the famous prophet, Ricky Bobby, <laughs> right? If you ain't first, you're, yeah. We all, there's something inside of us, man, me included. I wanna be first in every way, shape, or form. In fact, I remember the feeling of what it's like not being first. When I was a kid and I was playing sports and early on I was playing Little League Baseball. I don't know if any of you played baseball, if any played any sport, I was playing baseball. And our team was pretty good that year. And we made it all the way to the championship game. Huge game, everything on the line. We go out and we play and compete and we came in Second place, second place. I can still remember them rushing the pitcher's mound. I remember when they lined us all up along baseline and they came to hand out our trophies and they gave us a trophy first. You'd think, hey, if you're in second place, you get a trophy first, isn't that great? No, it's not, it's not great because that trophy, but look at trophy, was about this big. But the first place team kids, it was this big. And we watched all them celebrate with their first place trophies and and I, in that moment, tasted what it's like to be the first place loser. That's what I've discovered what it is, the first place loser, right? Second place, first place loser. And, and I discovered it, and to this day, that feeling has haunted me. Maybe it's because I have kept that trophy down in my basement all my entire life, and so every time I walk down the basement, I see the big old two on it, and it reminds me of being a loser. <laughs> now, I'm just kidding, but... It kind of did something, I mean, all that's inside of me, where there is like this competitive, there's this thing, like, here's what I know, you, you wanna be first at work, you'd love to be first in line for the promotion, right? We, we like to be first. Can I tell you, um, I love to be first in line, this is kind of a running joke around you know, certain circles, but I, I like to be first when we get ready to eat. Like, whenever we're doing a family meal, shared meal, and there's people over, and they're like, oh, it's time to eat. Let's gather around and pray. Here's what I do. I get really close to the plates. You ever do that? I scout it out. I'm like, there's gotta be a line. I'm gonna be right here. Oh, you want me to pray? I'll pray. Dear Lord, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Woo, got me a plate first. How'd that work out? You know, I've been to so many small group environments where we share a meal, and I think it's awesome to do that. I just never understood why so many parents think that you should get the kids their food first. Because I'm thinking they didn't contribute anything, they didn't pay anything, they didn't make anything. I think the parents ought to go first and then the kids can eat when you're done. I know, I've got a sickness, okay? And I have been to therapy and I've been working on it, okay? 
But I also realized that maybe that intrinsic thing inside of all of us that wants to be first, maybe it's not all bad. Maybe some of it is actually an indication that I was created in the image of God. Because whether you ever think about it this way or not, God wants to be first. In fact, when it comes to our relationship, let me say it this way, God wants to be first in your life. You know that, right? He wants to be first in your life, he wants to be first in my life. It's a big deal to God. In fact, it's such a big deal that we find all throughout the narrative of scripture, this picture, this image, that God cares so much about first. That, that there's something to this, and that's what I, I want us to understand because this is such an important foundational principle when it comes to your relationship with God in every area of your life. In every area of your life, this matters. And so what I wanna do if I can today, and this isn't what I normally do. If you're a regular here, normally what I love to do is just find a passage and I like to, I like to have a picnic with it. I like to camp out. I like the five course meal. Let's just kinda dive in and eat it. But what I wanna do today, if I can, if you allow me, is I wanna just kinda paint a picture. Let me just paint a picture through some of scripture that will help you see the importance and the power and the value of the first when it comes to God. And in order to start with that, I thought maybe we'd start at the most logical place, which is the very first part of the Bible. If we go to the very first chapter in the first book of your Bible and the very first verse of the first chapter, Genesis 1.1, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, most of us probably heard that before. So what does that have to do with anything? Well, I want you to understand this. Before there was matter and energy and space-time, God existed first. Before the universe was created, God was there first. So let's all understand something. God's here first. God was the first there. He was the first cause. God started it all. And when you go through this narrative in Genesis and beyond, what you find is that God creates us. He creates humanity. He creates the first couple that we talk about in the Bible, Adam and Eve. And he creates them to have relationship with them. But if you know the story, they mess it up first, right? They're the first ones to screw it up. When God said, don't eat from this one tree, and the devil tempted them, and said, yeah, but if you eat from that, you'll actually be like God. I want to be first. And so what they do, they ate from that tree and sin came into the world for the first time. The very first parents brought the very first sin into the world. And as you follow the story and their lineage, you find out it just gets worse. Because guess what happens right after this part of the story? The very first murder is committed. By the way, can you have any idea of guessing who the first murder, who committed the first murder? It was the very first child that the very first couple had, the firstborn. In fact, we find their story in Genesis 4. It's the story of Cain and Abel. You probably heard of them, but maybe you didn't know this. Do you know why Cain, the firstborn, murdered his brother? He murdered him over the... You're getting it. Okay, I thought you'd help me there, but you didn't. Okay, look at this. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, 
But notice what Abel brought. He brought the best portion of the what? Everybody say it. Of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And so here, here's what I want us to see. The very first children, the firstborn son, they are blessed with crops, with animals, and they felt, this is them, this is all we get in the story, they felt a need to bring an offering to God. God, I'm gonna give you something because you blessed us. This is what they connected. And the firstborn brought some of the fruit, but the secondborn brought the best of the first fruit, or the first of the flock. And so it wasn't about the fruit or the flock, what mattered was first. And because he didn't bring the first and Cain's offering wasn't accepted, he gets angry, mad, and he kills his brother. So I want you to see, this is, we're getting this whole narrative through scripture and it's all around the first. And then you kind of fast forward a little bit and God's like, I've gotta fix this because it's a mess and sin is just destroying everything. So he picks a guy named Abraham, he's the first of the faith, and he picks this guy, Abraham, and he says, I'm gonna do something through you and I'm gonna give you land and I'm gonna bless you and turn you into a nation and through you, I'm gonna bring, it was really to bring Jesus into this world. He had a plan. If you know the story, Abraham ends up having kids who have more kids, who have more kids, who have more kids, and you fast forward 400 plus years later, and all of a sudden, you have a nation in Egypt who are enslaved because they're so blessed by God. So if you know the story, you know God sends Moses, God this deliverer, to confront the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, let my people go, he refuses. Now, I'm not letting him go. So you know what God does? He brings 10 miracles, 10 plagues. And if you've seen Charlton Heston, 10 Commandments, that old one, or you, you probably got a visual in your head, but he, God did these 10 miracles. Now, the last one was interesting because it was the one that finally broke the back of Pharaoh that enabled the Israelites to go free. It was the most significant one. What was it? It was God sent an angel to the land to claim the firstborn son firstborn male animal of every family, because he said it was his, the first. Here it is again, we're seeing it, right? And so God sends him down. Now, God spared the Israelites, how? And again, all of this is a picture of something. I'm just tying it together for you. God spared the Israelites, they said, you take a, a baby lamb and you sacrifice it, you eat it, you put the blood over the doorpost. When the angel comes by, instead of taking the first, will pass by and, they'll, and, and I'll give you grace. And, so this is a picture of something that's all connected to the first. And as they finally are freed out of Egypt, and the moment they leave, God speaks the very first command to them. Now, I don't know if you know what the first command is, but we find it in Exodus chapter 13. This is the first thing that God says to them when they come out of Egypt. Look what it is. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every what? Say it out loud, every firstborn among the Israelites. The what? The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals. This is a really important phrase. Help me say it out loud with me. The first offspring belongs to me. This is a really important thing that God's communicating. Very first thing, when they became free, was God says the firstborn belongs to me. Look at verse three. So Moses said to the people, this is a day to remember forever. 
the day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today, the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. Remember, eat no food containing yeast. I know this seems weird. All these kind of things seem weird, but it was because they didn't have time to let the dough rise. They had to go. And so, verse four, on this day in early spring in the month of Abib, you have been set free. So what does God do? The moment he frees them, after they see this miracle of the firstborn, God immediately speaks to them, and he says, oh, by the way, you also need to know the firstborn belongs to me. The first offspring, first male of your family and your flock belongs to me. This was such a big deal as God's communicating the rule of first that he reoriented their entire calendar around it. He said, today, you celebrate the month of Abib. Do you realize that's the very first month of the Jewish calendar? God was orienting all of this around this one principle that's really important to God. It's the principle of the first. And what do we learn about the principle of the first? Here's what we learn. That the first belongs to God. That's what we learn. The first belongs to God. If you wanna know why it matters so much to God, it's because the first belongs to him. Now, there's... A couple important reasons why God's doing this. And I think sometimes we read something that feels ancient, I get it, and we, we read through, and you can read through Exodus 13 where God's like, yeah, if it's a firstborn of your flock, you're to sacrifice it and offer it to me. It's like, this is weird, like, and oh, by the way, if it's a firstborn son, you're to offer him to me, but you're not allowed. God would not let them kill the firstborn child. They, he would not allow them. You know what they had to do? They had to pay to redeem the firstborn because there's a cost associated with the first. In all of this, you kind of hear all these things about the first and it's almost like, it's just weird. Like why did God do all of this? Well, well let, me, let me tell you specifically why. It's because there's a really important revelation, there's a truth in this. God was trying to teach them something. And so he starts with the firstborn of the family and the firstborn of their flock. Now, it wasn't just limited to that. It was to all of their increase. And the reason why God started there is because they're wandering through a wilderness and the only thing they can do is take their herds with them and go through. But what was God leading them to? It was the promised land. And when they were gonna go into the promised land, they were gonna have fertile land where they were gonna grow crops. So guess what God did? He said, oh, let me also include that. So in Exodus 23, verse 19, here's what God told him in preparation. He said, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Now, some literal translations will say, bring the first of your first fruits of your soil. So what's God doing? He's taking your soil, he's taking your, your flocks, he's taking your family, He's taking all of that. He's saying, when you are blessed with increase, I get the first. Is this clear? I just want to make sure it's clear because I'm trying to paint it, but it's all throughout Scripture that the first belongs. I'm like, why does God care so much about the first? Here's what God's doing. He's trying to teach them to trust him. If you want to know why the first matters, is God is using it to teach them an important truth about trusting him. He's saying, will you trust, why? Because if you have to sacrifice your firstborn flock, you don't know if you're gonna have more. If you've been waiting months for this pomegranate harvest, you're dying to have some pomegranate juice, 
You're just dying, and you go pluck the freshest and the newest pomegranates, and you're like, oh, and God's like, no, 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 hold on. You give me the first fruits. Well, what if it doesn't produce more? Because he's trying to teach them an important reality that he, I think he wants to teach us about do we trust him? But secondly, there's a deeper revelation here that would never be understood until you get to the New Testament. And I'm gonna show you that at the end. But I could go on and on, I'm not going to. I could go on and on throughout the scripture. There are so many places where this continues to show up. And this may like change the way, you read the Bible, it's just gonna start jumping out at you. There's a big deal if you were the firstborn son. You had a lot, you got, you got something because of it. You, you see the 10 commandments that God gave to the nation of Israel, like the really big ones, he gave a bunch of instructions, but the top 10, can you imagine what the first one is? You will have no other gods before me. What was God saying? I go first, okay? I'm just trying to show you this. And when God gave them the design for their church, the portable tabernacle that he gave Moses to build, modeled right after heaven, guess what? As soon as he gets done building it all, God looked at Moses and he said, all right, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set it up on the first day of the first month of the year. Huh? I don't know, God just keeps saying something about the first. And oh, by the way, when he was leading the Israelites into the promised land with Joshua at the helm, and he says, Joshua, I'm gonna help you. We're gonna go in and take possession of the land that I promised to Abraham hundreds of years ago in the first city when you go in, Jericho. Oh, by the way, when I help you defeat Jericho, you aren't to touch anything in it. You don't keep anything for yourself. You know why God said that? Because it was the first city. God said, I get the first. I'm just telling you, it's over and over and over through scripture. And then here's the question that I kept wrestling with as I was understanding this revelation. How do I therefore give God the first? That's a great question. And here's the beautiful thing. God didn't leave it to be a mystery. I think God made it real clear for the people of Israel. And I think he makes it clear for us. And we see it in Leviticus chapter 27. This is, this is, and again, God is just showing them. Leviticus 27, verse 30 says this, a tithe, everybody say tithe out loud, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. Notice this little phrase again, we heard it before with the first, right? It belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. You know what that means? It's to be set apart. It's to be dedicated to God. It belongs to him. There's a picture of the first presented all throughout. By the way, you know, um, we believe very much in the first here at this church. That's why the first part of the year, we begin with prayer and fasting. That, that's why I believe there's a power in giving God the first portion of your day. Spending time with God in the morning. Read your Bible. Talk to God. There's a power. There's something that it does for the you for the rest of the day. I think there's something really vital that we need when we show up on Sunday, the first day of the week, to give God worship. I'm not going to work, I'm not going to play golf, I'm not going to do that stuff. God, I'm gonna honor you because God goes first. This is, this is an important principle, okay? And the same is true with our finances. God told them a tithe. Now, I like to explain it because there's new people all the time to our community, and maybe you, you don't have a faith background, and th that might be a word you hear thrown around every once in a while. You're talking about, hey, if you wanna give your tithes and offerings, you're like, what, what's that? A tithe is, a, is a, a word right here that God uses that literally means a tenth part, 
one-tenth or 10%. It's real simple, a tithe is 10%. And what I love is that God gave them a measurement for how to give him and honor him with the first. Because here's what I would hate. I would hate if God were to not be clear and he'd be like, give me the first fruits of your increase, Tim. How much is that? I don't know, am I honoring God? Am I not honoring God? Am I trying to put it by, how much is that? And I love that God just, he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna make it real clear, a tithe. And so, just to do some like real simple math. Let's just do some simple math, okay. Here's uh, $10, I got 10 ones right here. We'll just, let's just say that you a uh, middle school student and you do chores and at the end of the week, your parents give you 10 bucks because you vacuumed the floors or whatever you did, okay? So if you got paid $10, how much would a tithe be? $1, okay, some of you were a little slow with that. If you need to get your phone in the little calculator app, go ahead and get it out real fast. It's gonna be real confusing, all right? Um, but let's just say this represents, you, you made a little bit more than that. Most of you do, I know this, because I asked you last week, and a lot of you made a lot more. So if, if you got a paycheck that was like $1,000 that week, how much of it would be a tithe? 100, right? Here's what's beautiful about this. I love how God makes it easy. I'm so glad God wasn't like, hey, you know what, honor me with pie. 3.14, I don't know the rest of it. Oh, dear Lord, okay, what is it? You know, he said, like, just make it easy, right? A tithe, right? It's just 10%. And so it's just, you know, and, and you just move the decimal. It's so easy, right? Let, let's say it was more than $1,000. Let's say you had a business deal that went through and did really well on it, and you made $10,000. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? $10,000 business deal, one there. What would be the tithe from the business deal? One. $1,000, did you guys get that? I couldn't tell if some of you are a little confused, but let's just say God really blessed you. I mean, significant, like, whoa, and your business, is, and it just blows up, and so the next thing you know, you find yourself bringing in millions of dollars, millions of dollars. You know what I have found is that for some reason, when it's like $10, the math just seems easier. I don't know why, when it gets to be a lot more. Because the moment it gets to be like a lot, you know, God's blessed you in your life and you're making a lot more. For some reason, we struggle with the math. 10% gets way harder when it's a lot more money. In fact, there's a friend of mine who told me a story one time that uh, his church, he was teaching on the tithe. And as he was teaching on it, there was a guy who was in his church who was a very, very wealthy businessman. I mean, the guy was made a lot of money and after the message on the tithe, he came up and found the pastor and knew him pretty well. He said, Pastor, Pastor, can I talk to you for just a minute? He says, you're talking about the tithe and I just wanna be real honest. I really struggle with it. It's like I struggle with the tithe to give it. And, and honestly, I don't understand because when I was younger, like I didn't make very much, you know? I was, I just, it was a few bucks, I didn't make much. I didn't have trouble giving the tithe. It wasn't hard, but I'm making millions of dollars. And to be honest with you, like to write that check, it's just really hard. And so I just wonder if you could pray for me so that, so that I, I just want the courage and the ability to be able to do it, because it's a lot and it's really hard for me to do. And the pastor's like, all right, I'll pray for you right now if you want. He's like, yeah. So I put his hand on his shoulder and the pastor just prayed for him. He said, dear God, I just pray you'd lower this man's salary down to a level where he'd feel comfortable giving the tithe. <laughs> you should have seen that one coming. For some reason, it gets hard, doesn't it? But I am thankful that God made it really clear. 
Some of you still look a little confused, so let, let me help you with a little illustration I like to do. Um, let's just say that this is your increase, okay? I know God didn't make pie the measurement, but go along with me. Like, we don't get paid in harvest, most of us, unless you're a farmer, maybe you do. We, we, don't, we don't get paid in flocks having baby sheep and goats and all that stuff. Most of us get paid in dead presidents, right? That's how we get our pay. Well, let's just say that this is your first fruit, okay? This Reese's peanut butter pie with chocolate graham cracker crust, praise the Lord. Let's say that some of you would prefer this, right, over a paycheck. But, but let's just say you get paid on Friday. This is your increase, right? And you're like, this is the way we feel every Friday. Like, payday, woo, I got all this money in my, you know? And you're super excited, but then reality hits you. Life does, you know, hit you. And all of a sudden, you looked at your paycheck, and there was an amount that was the gross, and then there's the other amount that's really gross. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? There's the gross amount, and you're like, whoo, that's good. And then you look at the net amount, and you're like, what happened? Well, let me tell you what happened. Your government does not trust you to pay your share. So they require by law your employer to withhold it from you. And so what we all know is there, there's the first part of our check when we get it, but then the truth is that we have to pay taxes because, you know, you're a citizen here. And so immediately right at the top, you've got to pay Uncle Sam. And some of you 18%, some of you 22%, some of you even more. And you know what I found? The more we make, instead of being thankful for what God's blessed us with, we just complain even more about the percentage. That's what we do, right? And so, you know, okay, Uncle Sam just took a big chunk of my pie. That doesn't feel good. But thankfully, I, I get the rest, right? Well, the only problem is Uncle Sam's not the only one who's got his hand out. And let's put it this way, you gotta live. And so, of course, what is it? You got a house. You gotta live somewhere. Now, what they'll tell you uh, if you look into... Um, you know, buying a house if you never bought one. Most banks don't want to lend you any more than about 30% max of your monthly income. Really, like, you'd be less than that. Some banks would go up to 30, 33%. If you're a banking person, you would know. And so you got a mortgage, and it's not cheap to live, and, you know, so boom. That's a big chunk right there. And, oh, I forgot about the bills, and we got to pay the gas bill and the electric bill and YouTube TV bill and... You know, and you got all this, so let's add a little bit more to that, because living is not cheap, right? Oh, okay, it's not cheap. So now we get starting to get a little bit lower, but then it's not just you in the house, is it? Of course, what else? You got a family. And it's awesome having a family. Like, we love having a family, but what every parent could tell you in this place is it is not cheap having a family. In fact, they say, Sometimes by the time you raise a kid to 18 years of age that you're gonna, I can't even say how much, you spend so much money you're just gonna die. But, <laughs> but your family, I mean, you gotta buy clothes and you know, they've got sport. Oh wait, let's add a little bit more for that. You got sports and they're really expensive. I know I had two kids who did it. And so, you know, and they need clothes for school and things always happen. And oh, by the way, they always wanna go out to eat every single week. In fact, on Sunday and, and even after this Sunday for sure, you're gonna be asking mom and dad, can we go out to eat? I really want to. Oh, mm, this smells so good, by the way. I'll just uh, tell you. So 
What's happening to my pie? It's getting smaller. Oh, this is good. But here's what I know for you to get here. You need a car, right? We all need a car to get around. But here's the thing, not just one car, but most of us have two cars and they're not paid for. And I'll tell you what I've found is that car payments today, sometimes people are paying as much for their car as they are their mortgage. I mean, it's crazy, but you gotta live in style and you gotta have that new car with leather and all that. So you gotta make the car payments and now my pie is getting a lot smaller. But then we're not done yet because everybody's probably got, ooh, credit cards. Credit cards enable you to enjoy life, but you gotta at least make the monthly minimum payment, right? Maybe you're gonna try to do a little bit better than just monthly minimum, but you know you're gonna have to make that credit card payment because Amex wants their money, and so does Visa, and so does MasterCard. They all want their money, right? And so now you pay the credit card bill, and oh my gosh, it's starting to get smaller and smaller. I don't have that much. And then, of course, there's unexpected, I bet this never happens at your house. But let me tell you about what happened at mine just this last fall, is we were having trouble with our air conditioner, and somebody came out and we said, look, you got some problems, it's gone on the last leg, you're probably gonna need a new one, heater, everything, and so we had to put in a brand new HVAC system in our house, that is not cheap. And so we, I mean, we weren't expecting it, but we had to pay it. And so next thing you know, Boom, you gotta pay for all those unexpected things that pop up. Now, at least there's a little bit left for me. Enjoy that. Oh, wait a minute. I think I'm forgetting one. What in the world am I forgetting? My kids already drained me. My house is expensive. I got the cars, we're living life. We got credit cards to buy what we need to buy. Oh, what is there? There's God. Oh, the stand got turned around, right? God, I almost forgot about God. And I go to church on Sunday, and I hear him talking about money, and I'm like, oh, shoot, well, I, I was gonna eat this, I'll go hungry today, but God, I wanna thank you for all that you've done for me. I wanna thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. It's a, it means a lot. Like, you have just saved my life. My future is in your hands. Thank you for your provision, for your healing. And here, God, I wanna get it all out there. There you go, God, I love you so much. God, you're in first place in my life. God, I, I give you everything, right? Is this what we're telling God? I mean, Uncle Sam is doing better than God right now. The house is pretty impressive. But the reality is, this is the way a lot of us are operating our finances, is we're telling God that he's more important than what he did by sending Jesus to die for us, for our future, for eternity, for our family, for my peace, for my soul. It matters so much but what did Jesus said? He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jesus says, I don't care about your lip service. Here's how I really know what matters. And most of us are probably giving God the leftovers rather than giving to him first. And I get it. 
It's challenging and it's convicting. And I like to wonder what it's like from God's seat when God sees us consuming our pies. And I know some of you may have never heard a teaching on this before. And you're like, I, I realize that. But can I just tell you for all of us, there is no one to blame on how we spend our pie but us. No one. And the problem isn't that there's not enough to go around for God. The problem is we've mismanaged the pie. We've overconsumed what we have instead of saying, God, I put you first. And I know, I know it's really hard. Some of you are just gonna say this. It's really hard to hear this it, because it does take faith to trust God with the tithe. I get it. But I also want you to hear the promise that God makes when we do it. Because scripture gives a promise with the first. It is so beautiful. Proverbs three, verses nine and 10. I love this, this Proverbs. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the what? Can you all say that loud? And with the first fruits of all your pie, your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. There's a promise attached to the first. That when we put God first, God says, watch and see what I do with the rest of the pie. Watch and see the blessing that I'm gonna bring into your life. And I love so much that it was, it was a challenge that God invites us to test him. It's about trust. And God knew it'd be tough. So I Malachi 3 verse 10, I love this verse. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is God's house that we're a part of. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much what? I want that, so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. When we put God first, when we give him the tithe financially, when we say, God, I'm gonna give to you before I pay bills, before I do any other stuff, God says, watch and see what I do with the rest. Because I'm gonna meet your needs, but there's also an abundance, there's a blessing that can overflow when we honestly put God first in our lives. Can, can I just tell you, I, I'm not just saying this from scripture, but from my story. I'm thankful that when I was younger, 17, starting work, that I had people that said, Tim, give God a tithe first. Seems like a lot when you're not making a lot. Seems like a lot when you are making a lot. And what God's doing is he's saying, will you trust me? And so I did. And can I just tell you, my entire adult life of always trusting God with at least a tithe, I have never once missed it. God has met our needs. We're doing pretty well. I mean, God's taking care of us. My kids, both my kids have gone to school and college or doing what, like, like God has taken care of us. And I just look at it, I go, it's, it's a blessing. You know what's even a greater blessing than financial? Both of my kids love Jesus. They're a part of this community. My family loves Jesus. God's blessed us. I have joy. I've got peace. I'm finding my purpose. All of that is part of this because God says, if you put me first, you get the order right and I can bless the rest. Of course, I was convicted uh, several years ago. Can I just tell you a way I was convicted and what I did about it? Several years ago, I'd always given God a tithe, but if I could be real honest with you, there were some weeks that were tighter than others. A lot of unexpected things come up, you know? 
And I would find myself where money's tight within our church. And I'm like, oh, I don't, okay. I'm not gonna give it this week. But when I get paid in two weeks, then I'll give it. But I'll just, I'm gonna make up for it. And I'm, gonna give the, I'm gonna give a tithe, but I'm gonna, if I, and I was doing that. And then I would make it up. And then I'd miss two or three weeks. And then I'd write a big check. And then I'd risk a little bit. And then I'd write. And as I started to study the first, I felt really convicted by God. Because at the end of the day, the tithe was just a measurement connected to the first. What God was really saying is, Tim, I'm asking do you trust me first before you try to pay for all the rest and figure it out. And so I, I, I told God, I said, God, I'm sorry, because I don't want to touch the first. And so you know what I did? I scheduled it. I know we all get paid differently. Maybe that's hard for you to do. I went in and scheduled it so that on Friday, when I get paid, the first thing that comes out automatically is the, the tithe. I'm giving it before I pay bills, before I go pay the electric bill, before I pay the gas bill, before I pay the mortgage. And guess what? I started that years ago and ever since, haven't missed the bills, haven't missed the mortgage, haven't missed a single thing. God has just met us every single time and provided. And so to me, it's about the first. It's about the first. And I just wanna tell you, if you wanna know why this matters so much to God, it's not that God has a money problem and he really needs help. The reason why this matters so much to God is because of what God gave up for you and me. You know what God gave up? His firstborn. He gave up Jesus. It's because of what it cost him. It cost him his firstborn. That's why it matters so much to him and God just wants to be first in your life. And he invites us to show him, even practically through our finances, amen? I want you to stand to your feet with me. I don't want you to feel any condemnation here today. If you're in this place and you just feel like, okay, I've struggled in this area, let me just tell you, first and foremost, you're not alone. There's a lot of people that have. That's why I said today, I think, is one of the most important foundational truths, if you get this. It's not even to me about the tithe, it's about the first. God says, I just wanna be first in your life, and he's given us a way to do that. And I thank you that Jesus, in many ways, is like God's tithe to us. He said, I give my firstborn for you. That's why it matters. So I just wanna go to God in prayer. And maybe for you, if you just wanna bow your head in this moment, close your eyes, maybe for you in this moment, this is for you to have a moment with God. For you just to say, between you and God, say, God, help me with the first. Father, I pray right now for every person here. God, all of us, that we sense your, your voice and your spirit leading us in this moment. God, I, I wanna be faithful with the first. God, I, I wanna put you first in every area of my life, and that includes my finances. I just pray in this moment that, that God, your people can experience your grace and your love. Can I just encourage you today that you haven't made God angry if you haven't been giving God a tithe? The truth is, you just haven't demonstrated to him that he's first. And maybe today, there's just from an honest place between you and God, there's an opportunity for you just to say, God, I'm sorry I haven't made you first. In every area of my life, I'm sorry, God. Maybe you're here today, and this isn't even about money we're talking about, but this is about your relationship with God. Maybe you would recognize something that God isn't first in your life. There's other things in your life you've been running after and chasing after. Maybe you just showed up here today, 
But I'm, I believe that the presence of God is here, the spirit of God is here in this moment, and he's inviting you into a relationship with him to make him Lord of your life first in your life. And if that's you today and you wanna make that decision, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. I'd love to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. He came and died for you, and he rose again. We celebrate that on the first day of the week. And it was a, an example for us on how we can find freedom with him. If you want that today, just wherever you are, I just wanna invite you to pray this with me. Just say, God, today I come to you. God, needing a savior, asking you to be first in my life. And I believe that you sent Jesus, your firstborn, to die for me. And that, God, you rose again so that I could have new life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I place my trust in you today, fully in you today. And God, I, that's my prayer for all of us as a church, as a body, as a community. God, that you would teach us. God, you teach us about trusting in you. You would teach us, God, in the scary moments. You would teach us what it looks like to be full of faith and to fully trust in you, God, to fully surrender to you in this moment.